Hi, my name is Sarah, and I'm Anxious AF. Welcome back to the podcast. For this episode, I talked to two people, coincidentally both named Amanda, about what it's like to work in essential businesses during this time. My first interview is with a previous Anxious AF guest from Season 2, Episode 5, titled Consenting AF, if you're interested in listening. Amanda works in community health in the Boston, Massachusetts area. We discuss the uncertainty of this virus, techniques to not feel overwhelmed, and having anxiety with social interaction. The major challenge of doing this series around the coronavirus is that, regardless of when you record interviews, the information is changing by the day, the hour, even the minute. We recorded this interview only a few days into mandated social distancing. So the conversation has definitely evolved in the week since. So here's my interview with Amanda. And put your put your profesh podcast voice on. That's it. That's what they call this voice right here, profesh. How are you feeling in all of this coronavirus shenanigans? Well, that is quite a loaded question. Feeling lots of things, so it's hard it's hard to put one emotion on it but since since the podcast is anxious af like i think we're here to talk about anxiety right we are i've been feeling better over the last couple of days actually the few days before were a lot harder um and i think the sort of the sort of uncertainty is is the thing that is like the hardest one thing that i've been really struggling with is this like cognitive dissonance between this perception of myself as being someone who's good in emergencies. Mm-hmm. Like I have a lot of first responder training. I have a lot of experience. Like I um, write emergency action plans and I've, I've led like emergency response at events before. So I'm like good in emergencies. And for, for some reason, I thought that that would translate to something like this. And like, I've got a public health background. I work in community health. So I was like, great. I got this, like, I am ready for this, but was was getting really hard on myself when I felt like I wasn't good at this, quote unquote, good at this, right? Like what, how be good at this? And um, someone pointed out a really important distinction that was really helpful to me. And that is that this notion of being good in emergencies is being able to kind of like look at all of the information that's out there and, and triage the situation and figure out what needs to be done. And the difference between that and this situation is there's no clear what needs to be done. There are no clear action steps. It's just this sort of like, we're just sitting here in limbo, like waiting for the people in charge to make the right decisions and not having a lot of faith in the people in charge. So how do we, and there's no clear path. There's no end. There's no like, okay, we know that we will be doing this until this thing happens or until this time, like, in you know in emergency first response it's like you do cpr until ems arrives like you know when there's an endpoint but there's no endpoint to this so we just we're just sort of an uncharted territory there's literally like we've never been through this before and i keep saying this to my parents like they're like we've never seen this i'm like well then i definitely haven't like this is is everybody what's it like in massachusetts for y'all in terms of like restrictions at the moment and stuff like that um, so right now, officially, um, 
Well, so it's weird because I think there's very few statewide things that I've seen. I've seen a lot of Boston things and I've seen Quincy things. So I live in Quincy, but it's sort of like, it, it's really interesting that they're putting like geographic borders on all of this because like viruses don't care what city or town you're in. Like that doesn't matter. If you're coming in contact with people, they don't care where, <laughs> like the virus doesn't care where you are. So it's interesting to see the, the differences between the different geographic regions. But I know that an announcement came from Quincy yesterday saying that all um, personal care services need to be shut down. So like hair salons, nail salons, tattoo parlors, things like that shut down. Um, Boston wide, there was all, um, all restaurants are takeout only takeout or, or like drive through kind of thing only no in-person dining. Um, the good news is that we have heard that these rules do not apply to like essential services. Um, for example, like I run a food pantry at my job, so we're still being allowed to run the food pantry, but we've made a number of changes to allow for proper social distancing and minimize exposure for folks. But we're still, for now, allowed to be open, which is great because people need food. So because you're not like you're not working from home because you can't work from home and you're I'm working from home as much as I can. Um, so my calls have been forwarded to my cell phone and our food pantry is only open once a week. Um, otherwise, I'm like kind of on call for emergency food. So like I went into the office yesterday to like get someone food. But um, but I've been home otherwise. And how's that been for you? Do you feel like claustrophobic in a way? Do you feel like stuck? Like what are your emotions with that? It's kind of nice. It's nice. Like, I'm really happy that I like the people I live with. That's been really helpful. It's okay to, to like, stay focused and also feel like we don't have to do our best right now. <laughs> we just have to do something. And there's no, like, some people find it really helpful and comforting to pour themselves into work and others don't. And I think both both are perfectly valid. So, um and I also like lead my staff. So I'm trying to find the balance between offering options for them. Like, here's some clear things that you need to work on. This is a priority. These things are sort of on the back burner if you're bored and need something to do. And just doing my best to communicate as often as possible and keep in touch with everybody so that we all feel connected and like we have some kind of purpose. Um, something that's been really helpful to me when I start to like, when I feel my brain start to like spiral is listing out the next three things that I'm going to do, even if they're like really, really small. So like, um, like I drove back from my office, um, yesterday and I was like sitting in the driveway in my car and I like got myself in like a loop of like looking on Facebook and I was like, Nope, gotta stop that. <laughs> You're going to spiral. So, um, just, just sort of naming like, okay, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go into the house. Second thing I'm going to do is wash my hands. Third thing I'm going to do is eat lunch or whatever. So like anything and like, just like naming the next three things to keep my brain focused on like, here are the next three steps. This is going to get you through this next, however long period of time. And you don't have to think about what's after that. Um, that's been really helpful because it's hard to, it's hard to say like at first, at first I was thinking like, oh yeah, you know, I have, you know, I have a, a, a flight in May and that's probably going to be fine. Right. But now I don't know. So just kind of taking it one day at a time and making decisions based on the information we have at that moment. Yeah. It's like, I can't 
you know, plan for, we, none of us can plan for more than today at this point. Yeah. Um, one thing that I saw that was like kind of comforting, well, not comforting, but maybe helpful was, um, this notion of like the, the, the more we like listen to the recommendations, like, or the sooner we implement like more strict, um, like social distancing or shelter in place, shutdowns, things like that, the less time we'll have to do it. Like if we do this now, we'll, we'll hopefully be able to like get back to somewhat normal sooner. Whereas like the longer we wait to do it, the the more out of control it's going to get. Yeah. I mean, it's just like we were, I was chatting with my coworkers, video chatting with them a couple days ago. And I've only at this point when we're recording, I've only been working from home for four days and mm -hmm. we're literally all, I was saying, I feel like I'm losing a limb, like without seeing those people yeah. every single day. Like it's just. I have dreams about physical, just like putting, like hugging a person. Yeah. Like, it's like so weird that like, that's yeah. something that I've just really craved like now. And just like only being a few days, I'm just like, I just want to hug someone. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like how, even when we're allowed to again, like, is it going to be weird? Like, are we going to be weird about it? Or is it going to feel like, or is there still going to be, some anxiety behind social interactions going forward, even even once it's like deemed safe. Like, are we going to be like, do I have to wash my hands after I touch you every single time? And how long does that and how long does that last too? like, even if we're yeah. able, able to do it again, like how long is it going to be before we are less paranoid about it a day, weeks, yeah. months? I mean, I've been thinking a lot about trauma and the effects of trauma and how like it, it, it can be lifelong. It can be intergenerational. Like we could this could affect like this is going to affect the rest of our lives and everything forever see i i wasn't putting it in such a long like rest of our lives and now i'm like oh she's right it's genuinely going to be like something that a we're going to tell future generations about and also yeah. like we're going to be like we're going to be doing six feet social distancing for ever <laughs> Well, I don't think we're going to be doing the social distancing forever, but the effect of this time, I think, is going to impact us for the rest of our lives, for sure. And, like, definitely been trying not to think about that and dwell on those thoughts. Yeah, I literally didn't even think about it until you said that, because I was like, it's yeah. temporary, you know? And I just kept thinking. That's anxiety fuel. Yep. And I was like, great, thanks. I have a podcast about Sorry. anxiety, and now it's going to be worse. Um, Sorry. It's fine. It's fine. It happens. I don't need more things. Uh, but you're, you're the one who wants to talk about this, so. I just want to, I just feel like I'm like starved, a star for physical contact more so than mm -hmm. before. And like my routine has always been like, go to work, go to exercise classes, go see friends at bars or restaurants yeah. or whatever. And now just like, yeah. and you know, I live alone. So I'm just like, I don't yeah. have someone to quarantine yeah. with. You know what I mean? You need a quarantine buddy. I know. I was like, I've just been video chatting. I've done like, you know, I was talking to somebody else for the podcast and they were saying that they were doing one video chat or a new person a day to video chat with. Oh, that's fun. So it's a cool initiative. Yeah. And so that's yeah. been kind of, and I've been also now doing the podcast has been an excuse for me to video chat people, but also yeah. like, you know, now that like friends are doing these like happy hours and like mm -hmm. movie watching like netflix party stuff so yeah that's helpful but it's still very you know like you're still behind a screen yeah and i'm just like i'm you know even just like and i have a very odd relationship with my parents but even just like they keep telling me to come home especially if like my job 
you know, since it's very uncertain. And I'm just like, I think I'm still going to stay here. I still feel better. But yeah. I'm also like, oh, I just also want to hug my dad and my mom. But, cool. you know, just like a weird, yeah. then I want to leave because they're crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think another thing that's been coming out of this that like might be long lasting is like when sort of in the beginning of this, when all the companies were putting out like, here's what we're doing to keep you safe. And it's like, we are wiping down all the counters and we're, you know, cleaning the pin pad machine. It's like, um, excuse me, were you not doing that before? I think there's going to be a few long lasting changes for the positive. Like some of these things like, wait, who has not been cleaning this? Who has not been washing their hands? Like, why is this suddenly, you know, obviously I know why it's suddenly a, a much bigger deal, but it, you know, I think, I think we're going to have some hygiene practices that stick around, which is probably some good news. Yeah. Just like getting emails from every single place I've ever gone to, like, you know, yeah. food wise, exercise wise, just like everyone. I'm like, were you guys not sanitizing things before? I'm just. Yeah. Like the yoga studio is like, oh, we're wiping down the mats in between class. It's like, um, what now? Were you not? What? Yeah. Hello? <laughs> That's the whole or also just like how long yeah. do I when can I interact with older folks again? Yeah. Yeah. And that's scary. Like I think um like I feel I feel pretty lucky that I'm not like I don't have to interact with people who are at risk um that much, but um but I am worried like when on food pantry day, like a lot of the clients who come to the food pantry are older and like have multiple you know, illnesses and like they're just a more vulnerable population. So like just for their sake, like I'm trying to do everything I can to like social distance outside of that interaction so that I can minimize their potential exposure from me. Cause like, I feel horrible if somebody got sick because of me. Yeah. And you'd have no way of knowing too at the same time. Right. You'd have no way of knowing for sure. But yeah. Uh, any other messages you want to you know, get out to my listeners with regards to their own paranoia and anxiety in this this difficult time? Um, I mean, I'm not an expert or anything, but I think just kind of finding what works for you and making sure that you're um, taking care of yourself is number one. And don't, don't put too much pressure on yourself to be productive. Capitalism is still the enemy. Then that's it. Yep. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that, but that's yep, correct. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that conversation and that her advice was helpful in some way. The next Amanda I spoke to works in the healthcare industry in New York City. We chat about her patient's reaction to the coronavirus as well as predictions for the course of this pandemic and her impulse purchase of elderberry syrup. Without further ado, here's the chat. Hello, Amanda. Hello, Sarah. So tell me, what is your anxiety? What's going through your brain? What's going through your head? What are you going through when it comes to the coronavirus? Sure. So my my experience so far has been kind of complicated, I guess. Um, on the one hand... I, I, of course, I'm worried about my family and my friends, um, but a part of me, for some reason, is, is kind of able to turn that off because it doesn't seem so immediate. 
Um, you know, no one is currently, at least no one I know is currently sick right now. So I'm able to like, it's in the back of my head, but I'm not freaking out about that. But some might call it selfishly. The thing that has been really weighing on my mind is that I'm supposed to be getting married in July overseas. And every single day feels like things just keep getting worse and worse. And I know it seems really selfish, but that's the thing that has been weighing on me so much that this thing that I've been planning for a year now seems to be slipping away and sort of all these, not just that, but a job that I was supposed to take is also being delayed. So it's just all these things that I've been working towards are being either pushed back or might not happen at all. So that has, to be honest, has gotten me feeling really down lately, incredibly down. Um, And I feel like I should be worried more about the world and and everybody, a lot of people that I know that are losing their jobs and, and have no idea how they're going to pay their rent and eat within the next couple of months. And I kind of feel like if I opened myself up to all of that, I would probably lose my shit. How do you, I mean, how do you not take it for yourself first? I think, how do you not be putting yourself in your own worries first sometimes? Because it can be overwhelming to think about the greater the greater problem that's happening now. So have you been, are you self quarantining or like social distancing? Like what's your whole thing with that? Yes and no. Uh, in a way I, you know, I, I am trying to do the responsible things. So before things got really bad, we ordered Purell. So, you know, I carry that around with me and I use it whenever I can. My knuckles are practically cracked <laughs> because of how much Purell and hand washing I've had to do. Um, but I do work in the healthcare field. So, you know, I do have to be at work. It is expected of me. I do work in an essential service. Um, I don't have the option of staying home or anything like that. Um, I'm so that has been, that has kind of been a, a struggle for me that, you know, on the one hand, I'd love to sort of collapse at home and cry in a ball, but I do have to carry on and march forward and, and care for the patients. So, um, so I can't really quarantine at work, (laughs) but friend wise, personally for me, I have found it a little difficult to engage with folks. Um, I see people, me on messaging on Facebook, um, talking about stuff and, you know, at least being at work during the day, it's, it's hard to make the effort to engage um, I'm, I have been a little bit more isolative, but one thing that I can say that is really cool, um, which I would encourage everybody to tune into, to be honest, um, Marie's Crisis Cafe, uh, the, the bar in West Village that I have been going to for years that does all show tunes has been live streaming their shifts. So all the pianists, all the pianists are, uh, doing their shifts from home. And they're playing show tunes and they're like inviting people. I don't know if it's on Zoom or, or whatever to like tune in and, and people are watching from home. And I just think that's really cool that people are still finding ways to connect. Um, I can't say that I have managed to take part yet, but one day at a time. <laughs> it's only been literally like I've only been working from home for three days and I'm like, well, I can't do this. A lot of people are, you know, just using Facebook chat and stuff. I've seen people 
passing along like recipes and stuff. My yep. fiance and I just tried to make, uh, we tried to make challah bread last weekend. Nice. It was not very successful. Oh. Came out very oddly shaped. Um, <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. So we, we tried. Yeah. Yeah. And are you like, you said, I know you don't listen to podcasts really. Um, what else are you in terms of like, are you reading anything? Is there any other sort of media that you're consuming at the moment? Uh, CNN open all day, which is not always helpful. Um, I have to tell myself, you know, to tune out when I need to, um, and then tune back in when I'm ready. Uh, I read Walt Disney World news <laughs> because I, I like it. It's mostly just cooking, uh, working out, relying on my fiance. Um, and I, you know, and I have to go to work every day. So at least, at least I have that to spend my time. I, I imagine that if I was home all day, I probably play a lot of video games and then eventually get really bored with that. So what, um, I guess when you talked, you talked about the, you know, putting on CNN, how is your like news consumption and all this, or what are you sort of taking in or what are you trying to avoid and how, how, how has that affected how you look at the virus and what it's doing to everybody? Uh, well, I, so, um, I, I have it open all day. I'll kind of refresh it periodically. Um, I'll have the page open that has the, um, the live updates. Uh, frankly, anything that has something that Trump says, I skip. <laughs> I find it inaccurate. Um, uh, you know, sometimes it can be really hard to, it can be really hard to consume. So I, I find that really scary. And what is kind of interesting, um, again, is, you know, working in the healthcare field is how the patients that I work with are reacting to it. Um, I work with young adults who have the maturity level of sixth graders. So some of them are joking around, you know, somebody coughs and they're like, oh, my coronavirus. Um, some people are absolutely freaking out. And um, some people are just worried about how it's going to affect certain aspects of their lives. Um, and other people deal with their anxiety in a lot of different ways. I mean, some people appear classically anxious. Other people uh, will sort of torment <laughs> others and uh sort of rile rile other people up so it's it's interesting to see how people react to it and um and how i have to sort of step in and make sure that people aren't getting misinformation um not taking conspiracy theories too seriously um and feeling reassured that you know that they're not going to be abandoned and that they're going to get the help that they need has there been any sort of impulse purchases that you've made in this time and if you could predict when this will all be over what is your guess one one that's i don't know if it's impulse but um my fiance's mother told us to get this um like elderberry liqueur like it's not liqueur, but like it's a it's like a syrup that mm. uh, is supposed to boost your immune system or something um i have no idea if it's effective but i'm taking like 10 milligrams a day it tastes good so that's nice. When do I think this is going to be over? Uh, I think that this is going to come in waves. I think that we're going to see social distancing, assuming everybody's responsible. I think we're going to see things slow down, you know, hashtag flatten the curve or whatever. 
but then people are going to get too comfortable. It's still going to be around. And then I think we're going to see an uptick. And I think we could see this in waves for a really long time. Um, I certainly hope that this sort of lockdown experience that we have, I certainly hope that that doesn't last um, a long time, but, but who knows? We got to do what we have to do um, to kind of bring it back to uh, the wedding that I was mentioning. I'm, I'm absolutely terrified that they're going to close down the island that we want to get married at. But I don't know. You just have to take it one day at a time. Yeah, like one minute at a time at this point, honestly. I every every ten seconds there's some kind of new update that like scratches out what you thought yesterday and it's just insane to keep up with. I'm just I don't I'm also like I have no idea where it's gonna go, but I'm just like I'm just hoping that I'm just grateful that we have a house to sit in. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like that's it. That's very true. Um, being grateful for the things that you do have, the people who are safe um, and healthy, and for those of us who are lucky to still be working, that's a wonderful thing. And I encourage people to, you know, do better than me. Be there for, you know, be there for your friends and family. Respond to them. Use Zoom however you can to keep interactions. And um, people have been finding really unique ways to contribute and to. Uh, to pick up the slack, I've I've heard about um, some. I don't I don't know exactly what the the whole segment was on on the news, but somebody has been just like carrying and delivering packages to people, and people want to open up daycares for you know for children for healthcare workers, stuff like that. People are finding ways to give back, so I encourage people to find something productive to engage in. That was my interview with Amanda. She mentions a piano bar in New York City called Marie's Crisis that is holding virtual sing-alongs. You can find out more information via their Twitter at Marie's Crisis, or you can join their Facebook page, Marie's Group. Thanks to both Amandas for being part of these bonus episodes. The rest of the interviews are now up for your listening pleasure, as well as all episodes from previous seasons. You can find them wherever you get podcasts, or you can stream them on our website at anxiousafshow.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at anxiousafshow, or you can email us at anxiousafshow at gmail.com with comments, guest suggestions, or stories of your own. Thanks to Angelique Ibera for editing and mixing, to Matt Laurie for producing and marketing, and to Garrett Rose for the music. You can listen to his work at garrettrose.com. And I'm your fellow social isolated host, Sarah Curlin. Thanks for listening, and I hope you're enjoying these conversations.